I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to episode two of season two. Wow. Yeah, here we are and we're here with Josh Humphreys. Hey Josh guys. Humphreys. Dude, can we call Josh a special guest because he's, he's like, he's I'm not special, special anymore. He's special anymore. <laughs> he works with us. We see him all the time. That's right. But, but he's special to the listeners. That's right. <sighs> And we are glad to have him with us today on the podcast. Yes. It might be a constant. Yes. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Spoiler Ooh. alert. All right. Uh-oh. Excellent. Uh-oh. I know our ratings go up every time Josh is on <gasps> That's true. the podcast. Hey, what That's can true. I say? I know. I know. The youth watch it at school. That's I'm just kidding. I hope <laughs> not. Exciting. But it'd be cool if you did. <laughs> Well, today we are uh, continuing on back in the Bible reading and so forth, and and just want to encourage you if you just started, don't feel like you have to catch up. Just kind of read, read as you go. The idea is that we read some from the Old Testament, some from the New Testament, some from the Psalms, some from the Proverbs each day, and uh, and we work our way into the entire Bible. That reading plan is available on our website at fbcj.us, and um, and you can uh, get it there. What's the other we have a, the other domain. Uh, I think we have firstbaptistjackson.com. Firstbaptistjackson.com. But that's all just spelled gonna, out. Yeah, that's just going to lead you to fbcj.us. Right, exactly. So, so, so either way, uh, whichever one's easier for you to remember. But uh, yeah. but today we are going all the way through Genesis 32, and uh, we are going to go all the way through Matthew chapter 11. We're going to get through Matthew chapter 11, mm-hmm. and uh, then Proverbs. We're in Proverbs 3. And uh, and also in the Psalms, Psalm 7, all the way through Psalms 8. So that's as far as we're going to get to the reading today cool. and uh, and talk about those things. So we will come back and tell you what we gleaned from the Word of God when we return. <laughs> All right, we are back here talking about the things that we read devotionally in God's Word. And uh, I think I'm going to start. Is that cool? That would be great. Awesome. I'm going to clean that off for myself. Sure. Okay. So uh, my first thing was in Genesis 28, uh, verse mostly verse 16 was kind of what pointed out. But just as a little bit of backstory, um, Jacob has uh, just recently cheated his brother out of out of something precious. So he is um, on the run from his brother. He's as scared as he's ever been in his life, and he falls asleep. And the Lord appears to him and basically makes him the big promise, okay? So Jacob wakes up, and in verse 16 of chapter 28 in Genesis, he says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And um, I guess for me, just kind of briefly, you know, like fear of man distracts – this is what I wrote down. Fear of man distracts us from acknowledging the presence and the promise of God. And how often when, um, you know, the immediate right in front of our face physical people – um, cause us to fear, or if not fear, then at least get on a, a tangent of where we should be. Um, God is still doing things and around us and very real presence in our lives. But because he's invisible, it's easy to look at the visible and put that as more important in our lives, at least for me. So, uh, man, it's just this fear of man that's just so distracting 
to um, to just acknowledging the presence of God because when we know the presence of God is in a place, then we act completely different mm. than when we have forgotten because God's presence is is always with us because we have the Holy Spirit. But man, it's so it's so for me sometimes easy to forget that His presence is very real, very much in force, and His promises are still true even when people you know, kind of caused me to forget that. Um, and, and people were, were told elsewhere that in the New Testament that our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. Even when people um, get at us and, and maybe um, get in our feelings or maybe they're a, a hindrance to us and whatever we want to accomplish, we have to remember that God's promises are true and that his presence is um, way more, <laughs> way eclipses the presence of people mm-hmm. um, and, and any kind of fear or discomfort that they may, they may cause. So that's my first point of the morning. I see the floor. Yeah. I always think of the Matrix when uh, we use that illustration <laughs> because um, remember in the Matrix – have you seen the Matrix? Never seen it. Sorry. I know. Okay. Don't watch it for my benefit. <laughs> oh. But uh, anyway. In the Matrix, uh, you know, when they're in that scene and they're walking through, uh, he's like in a training program. Mm-hmm. This makes no sense to Josh mm-hmm. whatsoever, probably to half our people listening. But uh, <laughs> where the woman in the red dress or whatever, yeah. and he says, look back again, and she turns into an agent mm. or whatever. Yeah. And he makes the point that anyone who is still in the Matrix is potentially an enemy. Because he has access, the Matrix has access to all the people within the Matrix. The only people who aren't so are the people who escaped from it? Well, it's a little bit of neo-orthodoxy going on there, but uh, with the neo-orthodoxy yeah, is that what you said? Exactly what I said. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> but here, but it is a there's a biblical truth hidden in there, and and a lot of a lot of cultural things that are out there glean from biblical truth. They don't do it justice almost always, but but there is something in this, and that Satan has access to all of us uh, mm. unless we are freed by the Spirit, mm. and so any given person at any given time. Time, can be a tool of the enemy. Now, for a believer, he can just get in our head and uh, and just tempt us to do things we wouldn't normally do, and, and and get us to listen to the flesh rather than listen to the spirit. We don't have to. That's what's frustrating about believers is when we <laughs> act in the flesh. It's like you don't have to act in the flesh. You're just choosing to mm-hmm, act in the flesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, I was just Tony Evans, who's a pastor in, in Dallas, Texas. He used to say. Uh, you really can't get frustrated with sinners because sinners sin. Mm-hmm. It's in their job description. Uh, and so it's, and I always try to remember that when I'm dealing with people. It's like, this is, they're just being who they are, and the enemy can use them however he wants. Mm-hmm. But it isn't a battle against flesh and blood. That person who's frustrating me is just a tool of the devil. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I tend to look at people and go, you're just a spawn of Satan. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I don't do that. I was just, see if you were listening. Cut that out. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Mine comes from. Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, um, verse 1 says, When he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. I love that passage. I'm not going to go so far as to say it is my favorite passage in all the scripture, but it's, okay, okay. it's up there. And for this reason, you have a, you have this uh, this discourse between a man, uh, you have large crowds coming, and, and, and Matthew includes this to say he comes up, kneels before him, and says, if you are willing, 
you can make me clean. So he's displaying his faith and believes that it it, it really just comes down to, Jesus, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And Jesus' response is, I am willing and be made clean. And what he is revealing is is, is really, that is God's will, is his his will is for us to be made clean. And and this really transcends leprosy and everything. It's it's always important to remember because people will say, uh, Lord, if it's your will, heal me. It has there's never an instance in the word of God where it was not God's will to heal someone. It is always God's will for us to be healed. Now, how we are to be healed is the greater issue. And and you have to think of it like there is a temporary healing. And then there is a permanent healing. And the permanent healing is when we are given a new body that never runs out. And, and it's through the sanctification, glorification uh, process that Jesus brings to us. And so we can receive a, perm- a temporary healing he was given just to demonstrate his power that he had the ability to do permanent healing to, so that we would have the faith to believe that. It's like, if I can heal your leprosy, if I can make blind eyes see, if I can make lame legs walk, well then, then you should believe that I can do much more than that, that I can forgive sins, that I have the ability, ability to restore life and resurrect people from the dead and give them a new body. So when he's making these other claims about that, I have the power to resurrect you and give you a new body, that that's he's like you saw what I did here you didn't think I could do that but I did that so now I also have the ability to do this uh, we all need to take away from that 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 whenever you're have somebody and you're praying for their healing the question is is Lord are you willing for me to be healed right now from this affliction that I'm suffering from or uh, is it just a matter of I need to have this affliction right now in order to do what it is you've got me here to do uh, to bring you greater glory whenever the healing comes but for anyone who wants it, he can receive healing from Christ. And and like I said, it will either be uh, you can receive temporary and then permanent, or maybe God's just waiting for you to receive that permanent healing. Like Paul, when he had that thorn in the flesh, God didn't remove it. Um, and a lot of people believe that that was probably blindness, uh, but God didn't take remove the thorn from the flesh. He left it. Uh, Paul asked three times, uh, and then he just realized that God's grace was sufficient but now that thorn is removed, and uh, now that he is with the Lord, uh, now he's been restored completely and totally. So, uh, you know, at, in a time when we have so many people sick and so many requests, and, and, and not that it's ever been different, I think it's strange that we think that now more people are sick than ever before, <laughs> but the reality is we've always been sick. We always die. Uh, that's the kind of the nature of the world since the fall. Um, and But healing... Uh, is through Jesus. And he always, so when you cry out to him and say, Lord, if you're willing, I want to be healed. His answer is always, I am willing, uh, be made clean. So, Cool. Yeah. Cool. cool. Awesome. Well, mine's in Genesis 24. Um, and a little background like Daniel did with his is, so um, Abraham is speaking to his servant and he's like, hey, make sure my son doesn't like marry a Canaanite. And so he kind of sends him out to find a wife for um, Isaac. And so um, we're in verse 14 and 15, and it says, let the young woman, oh, I'm sorry, uh, this is the servant praying. He says, oh Lord, God, my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Verse 14 says, Mm -hmm. let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink and who shall say drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. 
in verse 15a says before he had finished speaking behold rebecca um and it was just like god worked immediately from that prayer and i just that is always um so significant to me is watching how prayer works in the Bible and knowing that that's how it still works and that's how it will always work for us um, humans. And um, mm-hmm. another point to just show is how detailed this prayer was. Like um, his servant said, this is how it's like, Lord, please let it be this and this. And that's exactly what he did mm-hmm. um, even before he'd finished speaking. And that um, was just showing how faithful God is. Uh, and that is really what has stood out to me from from that. I love that passage because um, that's I use that passage when I ask God to show me who I was supposed to marry, and uh, and He responded that. And it was mm-hmm. one of those, um, and you know they think that's Eliezer, but uh, I don't have a name there. But the um, the you know it was like an instant thing. He asked God, and then boom, there she was. Mm-hmm. There was Rebecca. And it, and it happened the same way for me. I didn't expect it to happen the same way, mm-hmm. but I was like, God, just show me the person you want me to marry, I, just like you did there. And uh, and then boom, she walked in the room, and it was like God said, well, there she is. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was funny because she was going to a well to get water. It was freaky. That's crazy. Crazy <laughs> in this day and age. Wow. Uh, but no, she was actually <laughs> – we were in radio together, mm-hmm. and she was walking in the control room to start her shift, and but I was in the production room. And there she was. Was uh, it WKLL the well? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, it was um, it was uh, WCVK actually, uh. Uh, Christian Voice of Kentucky. That's what that stood Whoa. for. Yeah. Um, the um, but she uh, uh, the uh, the interesting part was I did go to her and said, hey uh, hey. Uh, God told me I should marry you, and uh, and she laughed at me and said, "I've got a boyfriend. I'm not interested." And that's a true story. <laughs> so anyway, so I had to. <laughs> I was going to say that I was, I'd take, take a break. break. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. There was no uh, Nancy Kerrigan thing there, but the uh, uh, I did wait, uh, and, and God worked it out. It was like a, it was several months later before. Uh, that relationship ran its course or whatever, and and she saw the light, and um, and and there I was. What well, I'm just saying. Excellent. <laughs> but but it was you know you look back and you think it's what a cool yeah cool experience. Yeah. It's easy to see God's hand uh, in you know in the twenty in the back you know looking yeah. back hindsight because you know especially if you're a journaler you know you get to look back and see we've talked about this before yeah. you get to look back and see how. You know, what I thought was taking forever for God to respond was really sometimes just a matter of a couple hours. You know, people wait a lot longer yeah. for things yeah. to happen. Yeah, and, I, you know, I look back and I think I probably shouldn't have said anything, but I was glad I said something looking back. Mm-hmm. At the time, I thought, you're such a loser. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> now she thinks you're such a jerk or a geek or whatever, <laughs> you know, and just who's this guy talking to me, telling me I'm supposed to marry him? Because I didn't really know her that well at the time. But, the, uh, but now looking back... If I hadn't have said that, then you know it would have it would have been it would have been uh, cheesier for me to say you know later down the road. Uh, yeah, yeah, God told God me told to marry. Me, God yeah, told yeah. me to marry you. I knew it all along. <laughs> yeah. Well, one more thing on that. I just when I was I was thinking as we were talking about it, but just like understanding that like we can pray for each other on behalf of them as well. Like that's mm. so important. Um, as I mean, we can just pray for our brothers and sisters, and just you know, the Absolutely. Lord would work in them as well. Um, yeah. I just wanted to say that, but yeah, yeah. I that was pretty cool too. That <laughs> is pretty cool too. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna also be in Matthew eight, 
for my next one. Um, it's kind of towards the end. I, I've labeled this Matthew 8.5 because <laughs> I don't have an exactly like a Bible verse for this, but I do have kind of the ending of the section headers as I was reviewing in preparation for this podcast. And uh, I was going through, and at the end of each section, right, we've got um, kind of a hard statement Jesus makes in verse 22. Where Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm coming at this from the perspective of the, of the disciples because I'm so glad Jesus had disciples because I'm, I, I, I kind of relate to them in their, in their bad moments uh, a lot of times. Hmm. So, um, so I'm, I'm looking at this and it says another one of his disciples says, first, let me go bury my father. And he says, follow me, let the dead bury their own dead. And I'm a disciple and I'm thinking, what? Like, that's hard to hear. Okay. Hmm. But that is what it is. They go on, he, they get into a boat and he calms the wind and the waves there. Mm, wow. And they say, and it leaves off of the disciples again at the end of the section. They say, what kind of man is this that even the wind... And, so now this guy is scaring them, right? Who just, he's speaking difficult things. He's doing things that have made them gone from human to something and something else in their minds. Mm. And then and then the very next, next section, they get out of the boat and the man cast demons into pigs they jump off a cliff and the whole town begs jesus and the disciples to leave Hmm. because of it so it's bam 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 in the space of 24 hours the disciples are thrown for a huge loop here and uh and then you know matthew 9 um he starts forgiving people and healing people and it gets better you know it starts to be a little bit easier to 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 you know to follow and i'm thinking this is what I wrote down. When I walk through valleys in my relationship with Christ, what's my response? You know, do I, am I the guy who just wants to leave? I mean, I don't think so. Um, but is it, is my response generally out of faith or is it out of fear? Do I stay true to the mission and calling of Christ or do I flake out? And if I'm putting myself in the disciple's shoes, man, that was some hard stuff. And sometimes in my life, I think I go through hard things and I think that God has me in a difficult position sometimes, but it's not like that. You know, he's not doing things that genuinely scare me Mm. out of what he himself is doing. And so, so I just think, you know what, you know, there's that old quote, when you get squeezed, what comes out of you? And when, when my, when our relationship with Christ is tested and when it's difficult and when people are around us telling us that this isn't the way, this isn't the right way to be. This is, mm-hmm. You're not following the right thing, all these things. What comes out of me at that point? Is my relationship with him based on faith or fear? And um, different. I, I would answer that differently, depending on different days. Um, I'd, I hope most of the time it's faith, but I can't say 100% that it's not always, you know, sometimes it's I, sometimes I handle things negatively. Mm. So Don't um, we all? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, that's I, I relate to the disciples a lot because um, I think they did in a lot of circumstances the best they could, um, but Jesus unfortunately used them and and we have a chronicle of their mistakes for our edification. Yeah. So and pre Holy Spirit too. Pre Holy Spirit, man, poor yeah, guys. I know. And yeah, what is that like to have one guy to look to? That's why I think Jesus must have said it's better that the Holy Spirit come. Yeah. And we're reading it thinking, what are you talking about? <laughs> You're, yeah, we got Jesus right here. But yeah. I can't imagine not having the Holy Spirit in me, directing me with every choice that I make and every prayer yeah. that I offer, 
I mean, if Jesus isn't around them, then they don't have access. Right. You know, they had to go through a priest at that point. Like, right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, before the Holy Spirit, they're just continually reminded of what a major failure they are. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, what you said kind of reminded me of, uh, I was reading this week, um, this book, and it posed a question. It said, why did Jesus ask them to follow him instead of make, like, why, did, why didn't he just ask, well, believe in me? And it was mm. like that following is just so important because humans, like, our belief is so just like, I mean, everyone believes in God, right? I mean, angels um, believe in, or the demons believe in him, and it's like, we believe in God, but he asked us to follow him through all of that madness. Yeah. And it just kind of reminded me of that. Mm. I'm going to flash back to Matthew 8, uh, 1 through 3 uh, again, because I, I didn't read what I wrote uh, on that day, because, uh, but uh, really, this is what God laid up on my heart. Uh, it just articulated it better than me trying to wing it a while ago. Um, is <laughs> he healed all who were sick, revealing that our God is not only a God who heals, but desires all to be healed. We mm-hmm. simply have to come to him for healing and believe he can heal us. So why are some of us not healed? Sometimes our only healing can come through a new body. To get a new body, we must receive a new one that has been made for a new heaven and a new earth. The other reason is we don't trust Jesus. We turn elsewhere for help, which is adulterous idolatry. When we trust him, whether he heals this body or gives us a new one depends on what brings God the greater glory. So, anyway, but the um, and moving on to um, moving back, moving on, moving forward, moving backwards, um, is uh, Genesis chapter right twenty eight twenty one. I'm not taking anybody's twenty eight twenty twenty one. Okay, good. Um, Genesis twenty eight twenty eight one. I was I was you know when we do this we have we're choosing between really good passages. Yeah. Uh, and um, and so I'm giving up the labors and the harvest to talk about Genesis twenty eight. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me let me get there. Well, let me just read it. I got it right over here. It says, "Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in the way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God." Uh, and he's he's trying to make his way back with his family to his father's home, and he's got Esau to contend with, and uh, and uh, and a lot of a lot of barriers in between, and so forth. But he's making this covenant with God, uh, and here's here's the thing that in the New Testament God affirms that he makes this agreement with us. Jesus says, you know, that he provides us specifically these things, that he gives us food to eat. Mm-hmm. He says, can you know, can look at the birds. Do they worry about what they are going to eat? They don't, you know, in the same way, God's going to provide you food. And then with clothing, he says, you know, and uh, look at the lilies of the field. You know, do they worry about what they're going to put on? Uh, doesn't God provide you clothes to wear and so forth? And and Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is I and that's why I love doing this because I have read this passage so many times and I I never connected what what Jacob is asking for in this covenant relationship with what Jesus is affirming in the Sermon on the Mount and and Jesus is saying to us. Uh, that God has fulfilled his part of the deal, mm. that his side of the covenant, he's He's really, he's coming out and saying, God is not the issue here. God is not the problem. God is not the reason why Messiah has not come. God is not the reason why you haven't been delivered from Rome. God is not the reason why all the all your problems that you're talking about haven't been taken care of. Uh, I'm here to, you know, John the Baptist showed up and began the process 
of revealing that you are separated from God, and I'm here to complete that for you. Mm-hmm. And, he, and it's why he says such hard things, like even if you have anger, he says you think you're not guilty of murder, but if you have anger in your heart, then you're guilty of murder. And you think you're not guilty of adultery. But if you're lusting after that woman, then you're guilty of adultery. And and all these different things, you know, if, you're, if you're coveting, you're stealing. And uh, so it's he's revealing that you're mu- we are much more wicked than we believe ourselves to be. God has done what his part, but the reason why you're not seeing this this new kingdom coming is because there's still wickedness in you. Mm-hmm. And he's and and if you just read the Sermon on the Mount and walked away from the gospels, you would be thinking, I just got to try really I got to try a lot harder. I got I got to work this more. But mm-hmm. that's what the Pharisees did, but that's not what Jesus is trying to say. He's trying to say, uh, there is a new hope that I'm bringing to you. There is a don't I'm staying away from Star Wars. Okay. Uh, there is a a there is a hope that I'm bringing to you in that now the redemption plan is in me. I will do what you were unable to do, and you just have to put your faith in me and my ability to do what you were unable to do, and then you can have salvation through me. And and it really is that Jesus is saying to all of us. You weren't able to get to God. You weren't able to fulfill this covenant. I'm going to fulfill the covenant for you. And then I will give you a new covenant in that if you will just put your faith in me, that my blood is shed for you, that my body is given for you, then you will have uh, eternal life. So, yeah, so cool. So all the way back to Jacob, you see this precursor to what Jesus is going to bring. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well... I'm in Matthew 9, um, and it's a quite common passage within college ministry, um, I think, like, worldwide, honestly. Um, Matthew 9, um, 36 through 38, it says this, When he saw the crowds, he being Jesus, um, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Mm -hmm. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Um, And again, this is something that, you know, we always hear all the time. But it's important to notice that Jesus does this from compassion, not obligation. Um, And I think that that is something that in ministry, um, honestly, just in everyday life, we're all called to be ministers of the gospel that we forget. Um, Because sometimes we think of it as this legalistic, oh, I have to share the gospel. Like, oh, dang it. Like, I didn't do that today, or I didn't read my my Bible today, or I didn't do this. And understanding that um, Jesus... Um, was led by his compassion for the people. They were harassed and helpless. And we being in Christ, we are loved, we're cared for, and we have an armor to protect us. And so we want to be able to share the love of Christ and share what he has given us to those to those people who are harassed and helpless. And we need to think about um, just like, you know, the communities of people who don't have what we have, um, whether they're socioeconomically different from us or whatever the case may be, um, these people are harassed and helpless. Um, and that's not even just talking about that, but sinners in general, the well, not, I mean, yeah, we all are sinners, but the world, the people who do not follow Christ are harassed and helpless against Satan, against, um, you know, these cosmic powers that we cannot see. And so our job is to go out into the harbor, the harvest and labor and work there um, to show them that that we have a compassionate God, that we are compassionate people and that we love them. And because we love them, we can share this incredible news of Christ with them. And then they can no longer be helpless and harassed, but loved and cared for and protected. So yeah. that's kind of what I got from that. And 
I think a lot of people with church have been burned so much because mm-hmm. it's like when we say, I need, when you have a list of jobs we have in the church and say, we need people to do these jobs. Please, would you do this just so we can cross this off and say we got this covered and so forth. And people are like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. But what Jesus, when we are actually doing ministry, when we're actually reaping the harvest and you have people who need to be discipled and you have and you have these uh, new people coming into church and you see then then you really are praying that God would send forth laborers to help me. Mm-hmm. Look at all these people responding mm-hmm. to the gospel. Look at all these pop- people responding to God's grace and want to grow in faith. We need more people mm-hmm. to help bring these people in and to show them uh, God's love and grace. That's a much different appeal than, mm-hmm. uh, hey, would you be a member of this committee and, uh, <laughs> right. and, and attend well, 12 and it, meetings? It makes you fall in love more with God's people, with God's church, with mm-hmm. God. Like you, you're no longer longer doing this, you know, in vain of because, oh, I have to because I'm a Christian, but it's God, I love you and I'm serving you. And this is so exciting. So I'm teaching this Bible study or I'm teaching or I'm discipling these group of people or I'm sweeping the floor for the glory of God. You know, it's like um, because we need to remove distractions from people. We need to love him with our whole self. And that's so important. And serving no longer becomes like slavery, but more like Lord, I am a servant of you, and I'm excited to do everything we do. Because you see people coming into the kingdom mm-hmm. as a result of your mm-hmm. labors, and, yeah. that, and that's the connection that yeah. we have to make. It's super yeah. cool. Awesome. Super cool. All right. So from here, we have a lot of questions to yeah. get through. Uh, several people have written in, uh, not with letters. We'd love to receive a letter at some point. <laughs> but uh, Like with a stamp and an envelope, that kind of thing? That's like the antiquated, yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. way. Uh, but... <laughs> We have received text messages, and I think we've got uh, actually some written down questions here. So we're going to take a break real quick and come back and uh, see if we can't just uh, knock some of these out. So we'll be right back. Welcome back. This is the question and answer segment. Uh, if my count is correct, we have approximately seven, six or seven questions wow. to ask today. Like we had none last week. I know. And we're we making, have, sometimes we have to make up questions. Sometimes we're making things up. <laughs> and I had a couple of questions that ready to go. That, ready to go, that myself, I just would think these would be good questions. Well, but, we, we but we'll, those. we'll table those. No, okay, we'll use them when you need them. Yeah, for right. sure. Uh, but we have a lot this time, so definitely send them in. We love this. Yeah. This is my favorite part of the podcast. Yeah. So, and it's, I mean, this podcast is called Understanding Jesus. That's right. And if you don't understand something. That's why we do the podcast. That's right. So it's cool to ask questions. It's cool. And to when ask we get questions. the questions in advance, it gives us a little bit of an opportunity to research those mm-hmm. things uh, ahead of time. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> some things we know, and some things we need to figure out. But when you ask questions, it makes us all think, "I wonder what the answer to that question is." And Troy, I know you never experienced this, but sometimes when I'm asked a question in the moment and I have to give an answer, I go back and think, "I should have said it differently." Where if yeah. I would have had like a day of prep, that would have been nice. Yeah, that sure would have been. Get my head in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, Josh, you've got a few of them you want to bring I out? I do. I do have questions. Um, back to Genesis 24, where I my first point was brought up. Back to Genesis. Um, we're in Genesis 24, verse 1, or actually verse 2. Um, it says, And Abraham said this to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord of the God of heaven and the God of the earth. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Um, and so verse 9 says, So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Um, 
What is that? Hmm. Choy. <laughs> hmm. It's awkward, is what it it's is. It's very awkward. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine yeah, like, I don't, walking up I, to someone. I doing don't. I don't. I don't do that. Please. <laughs> uh, there's there's a couple of different uh, mindsets there. Mm. One is that it's a euphemism uh, for um, uh, because uh, God had introduced to Abraham the mode of circumcision, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of like a swear by your loins kind of thing. Uh, trying to figure out a, Old Testament is tricky uh, when you're trying to say it. Let me explain. Hey kids, here let's explain this in a way that's satisfactory to everybody. Uh, the uh, uh, you know it's like God, why did you choose these type of things to talk mm-hmm. about? Uh, but anyway, the uh, so so maybe that was since that was the source of the covenant. It may have been a way that was to express, you know, like a swear by my heart. Mm-hmm. It would kind of that kind like of thing. Like a pinky promise kind, kind of, of thing. Yeah, sort Very of, cultural. yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go there. The, uh, anyway, so you have uh, – uh, but a lot of uh, Jewish scholars think that it, it actually was – a, a a way that in ancient cultures they had that by putting your hand literally putting your hand underneath the thigh of the person was a way to show uh, just uh, like a handshake, mm. uh, but uh, but just a, a more intimate way of just uh, of making an oath. Like mm. we you know we we have things that we do like put your hand on a Bible and swear on the Bible. Mm. Obviously they didn't have that, and so <laughs> uh, it was just uh, something akin to that. Uh, always important to remember though that we are not. Uh, I don't. Uh, Dr. Mueller was having a, a uh, talking about that on his uh, on his podcast. I'm not trying to get you to switch from our podcast to his podcast. Wait, you're going to talk about a competing on the, on the, podcast on the briefing. He's talking about uh, whether we should take oaths as Christians, mm-hmm. uh, because James says that our yes should be yes, our no should be no. That we, um, but um, uh, but I, I don't think he's necessarily saying that it's wrong to have an oath, but that our words should be good enough as a believer without swearing on a Bible or putting our hand under the thigh that, um, that we should only speak that which we are, is true. So anyway, that's, uh, you know, some of the things are, I don't know how that, if that's a great explanation, but there are some things that we look at like that, that we just, that's, we don't have too much of a window into that world. So. Cool. 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 Well, my other question, um, is kind of a, a clarifying question. So, um, Matthew 10 verse 34 says, do not think I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And so Troy, I thought Jesus said he was the Prince of peace. Yes. So why is he so intense and scary here? Why is he so (laughs) intense and scary? Um, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. And I, I even had to go back and uh, I even misspoke that, uh, I said, uh, I, in in preaching that passage that Jesus didn't come to bring peace, but that's not entirely true. He did. He is saying uh, in the way that uh, when he's talking about uh, relationships between family and what he's addressing mm-hmm. at that particular time, that he didn't uh, come to bring people together. Uh, in that he actually is going to split families apart from what he is doing. There's a uh, there's something within Muslim culture that uh, that is within Islamic teaching that's very akin to this, and a lot of Islamic teaching is based on Christian teaching. I don't know if people realize that that Islam comes after Christianity uh, and takes a lot of the tenets of those faiths and, and brings them together. But the idea is is that if everybody is Muslim, then there's peace. And and in truth, Jesus is is saying that uh, if everybody was Christian, uh, there would be peace. If, if we all are the same thing, then obviously then there's peace. Uh, but there is always a time of where, uh, whereas 
within Islam, there's a more political resolution to uh, making that happen. Uh, Jesus is actually using uh, the matters of the heart, a, a spiritual transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit, transforming one group of people uh, to where all of a sudden now you have a father and son who are divided because uh, one has now surrendered to Christ and the other has not. Uh, and, and so there is this division has been created. Uh, and uh, but ultimately, as that he will come and make peace mm-hmm. by uh, putting the enemies in their place. And it's really a declaration of I'm revealing who my enemies are. Mm-hmm. I'm revealing who uh, who uh, the followers of God are. Um, and next week, we're going to be talking about the wheat and the tares. And it's kind of, you know, something he says in that parable. But the um, but the idea is, is that he, yes, he is the uh, prince of peace. He is the ultimate peace maker, uh, but when it comes to bringing, uh, ushering in the kingdom, there will be a time of unrest. Yeah. And, and and he's saying that's what this time is right now. We are in that age of where uh, lines are being drawn and people are choosing which side they're going to be on. That was a very good answer. Yeah. I like that. Nice. I never heard it described like that. Solid. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Uh, was that your last one? Do we have, yeah, that's do we have, it. Okay, cool. There are a couple more that were written in. Uh, number one, Genesis 36:15, talking about Esau's sons, and some of them he calls chiefs. What's the deal with chiefs, Pastor Troy? Well, actually, that's uh, I'm not. I don't sure anybody's going to really like this uh, answer, but uh, <laughs> they. Um, it's just another word for king. Uh, it <laughs> all depends on how you interpret that Hebrew word. Uh, but um, I think the differentiation is is just saying. Uh, that uh, that within the Edomite kingdom, this is how their government was structured, how their tribes were set up, and mm-hmm. so forth. Uh, these uh, it's talking about, and it would have been the language of their time, language of their day, how they would have described the leaders uh, amongst these different tribes, and so forth. Whereas in Israel, you had um, the formation of judges. Uh, and then ultimately kings and so forth. Uh, probably not, we wouldn't say a tribal leader was a king uh, because we don't think of it in those terms. So the word chief would be used to try to describe that. But um, uh, we, I mean, he definitely, I mean, these are just words we use to describe leaders of groups. And so however you want to think of governor, chief, king, you know, we we just have terms we've created to differentiate over large groups of people, over smaller groups of people, and and this is just how their tribes were divided up. But it is it is a description of the Edomites, who were the sons and uh, descendants of Esau, uh, not um, of Jacob, who would have been the who would have been the tribes. Um, just a, God had a different government that He used for His own people. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay. Um, there, the rest of these come out of Matthew chapter 12. Ooh. Um, very, uh, very inflammatory pa- uh, chapter, <laughs> apparently. Um, so I guess we'll just, we'll just jump in on the deep end here. Matthew okay. chapter 12, verse uh, 32. Well, the whole kind of section right there is talking mm-hmm. about sinning against or blasphemy against the Son. Blasphemy against the Holy and Spirit. And the Father. Yeah. <clears throat> and it says, all these will be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be either in this age or the age to come. So, do you want to do you want to speak to that? Yes, because it is one of the most one of the more <clears throat> mis 
misinterpreted, misquoted, misunderstood passages mm-hmm. in Scripture, and probably one that uh, people, when they read it, grieve over it a little bit because they're afraid, what if I accidentally blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, and then I don't get to go to heaven? God's not, I'm going to get to heaven, and he's going, yeah, sure, you put your faith in Jesus, you got baptized, <laughs> but then you went ahead and blasphemed the Holy Spirit, and you know, on that day you were drunk or whatever. And idiot. You idiot, and now you can't be forgotten. I would love to forgive you, but I can't. said I wouldn't. And I think that's the picture that people get in their mind. That is absolutely not what is being discussed here. Wouldn't and and the and the question was, you know, that why would blasphemy against the son? Why would blasphemy against the father not be? Uh, was, it doesn't say the father in this passage. It says blasphemy against the son of man uh, would be acceptable more so than this. And here's the reason: blasphemy when you, when people would utter blasphemies against the Son of Man, there was a still a path to redemption, meaning that when you uh, didn't I, when you didn't recognize Jesus for who he was and you spit on him, you crucified him. I mean, people crucified him. And Jesus, as he's being crucified, would say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Mm-hmm. And that means they do not reckon, they do not know who I am. They do not recognize me for who I am. And, and so there's still room for the Holy Spirit to then make you aware of who he is and then a path to reconciliation with God, which is true for all of us. You really, in truth, we all have blasphemed Jesus in one way or another. We have all been accursed to him. We have done things that were, uh, we've rejected him. We've rebelled against him. We've uh, said unkind things about him, or, we, or at least we've expressed that through our, our sin. But we all have a path to reconciliation through the Holy Spirit. If you look at the holy work of the Holy Spirit and you believe that to be the work of Satan, then you have no path to reconciliation because you believe the very works of God are the works of the devil. And so you won't follow that path, believing it to be the enemy. So because of that blasphemy, now you've created a situation where you can't be saved. You can't, you can't, your path to forgiveness has been, has been the one person who can draw you. You've now said that person is Satan. And so uh, you've you've cut off your only path uh, to redemption, and so that's what that's what Jesus and that's what the Pharisees did. They were saying they they were looking at the work that he was doing, the work of God, and they were saying the work mm-hmm. of God that you are doing is the work of the devil, mm-hmm. and so the the salvific things that Jesus was doing uh, were. Um, we're now being saying that this is the work of Satan. So if you believe the very work of Christ is the work of the devil, um, then there is no path to redemption at that point. Cool. I, want to sp- I don't want to spend too much more time on this one, but there is um, there are those who take this section of Scripture and say, um, kind of interpret that as those born and died before the church age, before mm-hmm. the age of the Holy Spirit on earth right. in Mass, would be... Um, like their death, because they're because they placed hope in the Son of Man. That mm. was kind of the, their path to salvation before. So th- this is kind of their basis of saying that like they've got another chance post death to come into salvation. Yeah, um, I don't I don't see that. Yeah, easy piece of, piece of game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I, I think I think looking at the context of the passage, they said that the, they were saying that the works that Jesus was doing were the works of. Beheld that he that he cast out demons by Satan, mm-hmm. and 
and, and, and Jesus is differentiating. And remember, when Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Now he begins the work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit this, and gives that spirit to us for the Holy Spirit to continue the work that he was doing through Jesus. Now through all people who've surrendered him, it is the work of the Holy Spirit that, that connects us with God and, and empowers us. And so you cut off your, that he is our only vehicle, our only means uh, to get, to understand Christ. I mean, it's, it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the ability to understand Christ, to comprehend who he is and that he really is the, the son of God. Um, but, uh, so we could be blind, believe him to be the son of man and treat him as a son of man and treat him, uh, disrespectfully blaspheming him. But, uh, but if we do that with the Holy spirit, there's no ma- ma- mode of reconciliation. Cool. All right. Awesome. Enough time on that. Uh, next question, Matthew 12, 36, a few verses later, um, it says, um, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, I guess the, the person writing in was a little nervous about their judgment day, um, yeah. because the, um, idle words come easily. So, right. I, I think, I think, uh, Jesus is pointing out the, the importance of the words in which we say it is, it is through our confession, uh, that we are in Romans 10, 9, he says that we, we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, that that is the um, believe in our heart, confess with our mouth. It is that confessing with the mouth that is so imperative. And that's a mm-hmm. part of our salvation. The words that we say, uh, who we affirm, uh, through the words that we speak, we, we see that as also being very important when people come to know Christ, that they voice that, that these, that, that they speak. Uh, affirm and and Jesus even says, if you deny me before man, then I will deny you before the Father. That He holds us accountable for the words that we speak. Um, he's not talking about a, a one-time moment. Obviously, he's not talking about a, a moment uh, in time. He's talking about um, the confession of your life uh, and how and the words that you speak. Uh, obviously, I, I, if I spoke against him and denounced him and said he's not real and so forth, I. I've put my own assurance of salvation in jeopardy at that point, but uh, but there should be um, a repentance of that. If I've done that, repenting of that, and and saying you know I did not mean that, and recanting whatever, um, to make sure that I have affirmed that who he is, uh, he's he is he's it's there's a you don't ever want to take away the level of seriousness that God puts in His Word. He's just saying that those words your words matter, so be very careful in the words that you choose to use. But uh, but I I want to give a little bit of hope. Always remember that whatever you said yesterday uh, is forgiven today. I mean, you can forget the things that are behind. If, if not, if today you affirm him and you speak uh, for his glory, just continue to do that. <laughs> don't don't go back to the old. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay, and finally, last question here. Mm-hmm. Um, we, this, and this one might hit home for a lot of people mm. um, in particular. So Matthew 12, 25 says... Uh, knowing their thoughts, Jesus, he told them, every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. This mm. one wasn't sent to us in phrasing of a question, more of an observation, um, mm. and that was, um, let me see if I can get the actual words here. It says, I hope this won't be the end to our government as we know it. Yeah, I think that uh, well, the words that Jesus is saying, he's he's obviously illustrating to the Pharisees because they're saying that he is a tool of Satan and working on behalf of Satan. And he's like, well, if I'm working on behalf of Satan, well, his kingdom is not going to prevail because then a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. 
uh, and he obviously is against uh, the kingdom of Satan. But but it does give us an opportunity to talk about something that uh, is is really important, and that is that uh the kingdom all the kingdoms of this world will fail all of them all the governments everyone there is not a government that will be preserved except the government that Jesus uh sets up himself we always have to keep that in mind we we i think we get into our heads that we're going to come up with a system and and while i absolutely appreciate what our forefathers did and establishing the government we have to give us the greatest amount of freedom we can and creating a place where we can have freedom of religion in a time when there was very little. It's very much like the kingdoms of old. They, uh, Because we are filled with fallen people, because we are people who are fallen, have a fallen nature, we are going to uh, exploit, uh, destroy, tear down, whatever. Those kingdoms cannot stand. If we could create a government that could stand, there would be no reason for Jesus to come in the first place. But uh, but we can't create a government that will stand. Uh, we just we're just trying to do the best we can in the generation that we're in to be as faithful as we can. But whatever the government, whatever whatever the kingdom, uh, all of them uh, will be divided. And uh, and and but the but it's not as much the uh, the part that needs to be understood is that it's not as much that if our because we have so many people who are Democrat and so many people who are Republican and votes go almost 50-50, that that's the reason our government can't stand. We're actually are, are – it's it's the fact that we have uh, a large portion of people who are controlled by the enemy mm-hmm. and a smaller group of people who are controlled by the spirit of the living God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the greater that disparity, um, the more clearly the demise of our nation. And uh, and that's and – that's, not only prof- prophesied, but it's coming to fruition. Uh, it will, at some point, uh, we will uh, we will be persecuted as a result of our faith because the the enemy, it, it, the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's it's against an enemy who has a system. Uh, people talk about systemic racism and and systemic this and systemic that. Well, there is a system in place to mm-hmm. to not just. Uh, persecute one group of people, but to persecute all people. And uh, and it leads people to hell. Uh, and we, as believers in Christ, uh, are fighting against that in whatever form it may take. But uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, this is kind of a wake-up call that, just a reminder, this, if whatever you were, if you were putting your faith in anything other than Jesus, if you're putting your faith in anything other than God, you are going to be gravely disappointed in what you were putting your faith in. It will fail you. It will not succeed. 